أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تعالى على رسوله سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد so we continue ما شاء الله reading from the كشف المحجوب the sheikh's description concerning the doctrines held by the different groups of Sufis so we move to the the next archetype which is um, suluk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using malamat censure uh, of the self and blame of the self as a driver and so he uh, the sheikh uh, typifies this tariq by the teachings of the sheikh uh, uh, Hamdun uh, al-Qassar so he says the Qassaris, they are the followers of Abu Saleh Hamdun uh, Ahmad bin Umar al-Qassar, a celebrated theologian and eminent Sufi. His doctrine was the manifestation and divulgation of blame. Divulgation, I looked it up in the dictionary. It means, uh, it means to show something to the world that will make people not like you, basically. Divulgation means to divulge something. And so the divulgation of blame is to show something to the world that's going to make people not like you. He used to say, God's knowledge of you is better than men's knowledge. I.e., your dealings with God in private should be better than your dealings with men in public. For your preoccupation with men is the greatest veil between you and God. I have given some account of Al-Qasar in the chapter on blame. Uh, he relates the following story. Uh, Once when I was walking in the riverbed uh, in the Hira quarter of Nishapur, by the way, so you asked about the era, right? This is this book is written kind of like in the Bustan, like the the the, the complete like peak of enjoyment of Muslim civilization after the uh, the conquest of the Aslaf and the complete untouchability of Islam and the development of different sciences and uh, different intellectual and cultural practices and norms. But before all of that was trashed by the Mongols. So he says that he says that he says that I was walking uh, in the riverbed uh, in the Hira quarter of Nishapur. Nishapur is where Imam Muslim is from. Uh, I met Nuh, uh, 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 a man from Nishapur, famous for generosity. Uh, I said to him, "O oh, Nuh, what is generosity?" He replied, "My generosity of your or yours." I said, "Describe both." He replied, "I put off the the coat, uh, uh, the qaba, and wear the patch frock." The patchrock is the khirqa. So this is a little bit of explanation. Qaba is like the, the, the coat that a normal person would wear. So they say that some like peculiarity of like Imam Nasai rahimahullah ta'ala is that he used to wear a qaba. And so uh, Al-Harith ibn Miskeen thought that this guy is like one of the mukhabarat. Because like he's like, why is this guy coming to the dars of the... Because the, there's this particular dress that these students of knowledge in the mashayikh had. There's a particular dress that the Sufis have, right? Um, and then there's a particular dress that normal people or businessmen have, farmers, etc. You could tell a lot by a person by the way that he dressed. He said, I took off the, the qaba and wear the patched frock, uh, meaning what the, 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 the garb of the, uh, of the Sufis, and practice the conduct appropriate to that garment in order that I may become a Sufi and refrain from sin because of the shame I feel before uh, God. Meaning what? Fake it till you make it. Dress like a righteous person and then like, you know, people say, oh, look at you, you have a beard. Look how, don't you feel bad like smoking a cigarette or whatever. So he's just, it's that. He said, I wear the, 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 the garb of the Sufis. I took off the garb of normal people and put on the garb of Sufis so that I could feel some shame and it will protect me from, uh, from committing sin. Uh, 
He said, but you have put off the patch frock in order that you may not be deceived by men, and men, not, men may not be deceived by you. Accordingly, my generosity is formal observance of the religious law, while your generosity is the spiritual observance of truth. This is a very sound principle. So with this, I wanted to go back. He has like a whole special, a separate section in which he, in more uh, detail, explains what the nature of, of malama is, what the nature of malamat of blame is. We'll say malamat for the purpose of this dars in the sense that the original work is actually in Persian, even though it's, it really is one of the first books written on the science of Tasawwuf. Um, and there's a Persian language tradition of writing on Tasawwuf, which is just as old, if not older, than the Arabic tradition. And in many ways, the Arabic tradition actually mimics the Persian style rather than the other way around uh, because of the people who, who wrote on this, uh, on this topic. Because it's a pra practical topic. It's not theoretical. It's practical. It's not like one of the formal sciences. You write a book in Urdu about the Quran or whatever. What's that all about? But this is something that has to do with like practical experience. So people you know, found more utility in, in expressing themselves in their own language. So he says the chapter on Malamat, on blame, uh, the path of blame has been trodden by uh, some of the Sufi sheikhs. Blame has great effect in making love sincere. He says the followers of the Haq are distinguished by their being objects of vulgar blame, especially the eminent ones of this community. Uh, the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was an exemplar and leader of the adherents of the Haq uh, and who marches at the head of the lovers of God was honored and held in good repute by all until the evidence of the haq was revealed to him and inspiration came upon him. Then the people loosened their tongues to blame him. Some said, he, well, billah, he's a soothsayer, soothsayer and others said he's a poet and others said he's a madman and others said he's a liar and so forth. And God says, describing the true believers, they fear not the blame of anyone. That is the grace of God which he bestows on whoever he pleases. God is bounteous and wise. The 59th uh, uh, um, uh, verse, according to Nicholson, the 59th verse of uh, 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 Surah Al-Ma'idah, which we haven't got to yet, but we're almost there. Tomorrow, Tomorrow inshallah. Uh, Such is the ordinance of God that he causes those who discourse of him to be blamed by the whole world, but he preserves their hearts from being preoccupied by the world's blame. This he does in his jealousy. He guards his lovers from uh, glancing aside to others lest the eye of any stranger uh, behold the beauty of their state. He guards them also from seeing themselves, lest they should regard their own beauty and fall into self-conceit and arrogance. Therefore he has set the vulgar over them, to loose tongues of blame against them, uh, and has made uh, the blaming soul, the nafs al-lawama, as part of their composition, in order that they may be blamed for others for by, by others for whatever they do, and by themselves for doing evil or for doing good imperfectly. Which is, we were talking about, that's the idea of like Toba. Toba is not just from sins that a person says, well, I didn't eat pork today, so I don't have anything to make Toba from, right? That he shows the person that, that, even, that they also blame themselves for doing good imperfectly. Now, and this is a firm principle uh, in the, uh, the, the path, the tariq to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in as much as the path uh, has no taint or veil more difficult to remove than self-conceit, than a person's arrogance. God in his kindness has barred the way of error against his friends. Their actions, however good, are not approved by the vulgar uh, who do not see them as they really are. And they see themselves, uh, and they themselves do not regard uh, their works uh, of mujahada, mortification, however numerous uh, they may be as proceeding from their own strength and power. Consequently, they are not pleased with themselves and are protected from conceit. 
Whoever is approved by God is disapproved by the vulgar, and whoever, whoever is elected by himself is not amongst the elect of God. This is like one sentence completely demolishes the whole like model of Islam that's probably been taught to all of us that have grown up in America. So it bears repetition. He says, whoever is approved by God is disapproved by the vulgar. So there goes all of, uh, all of our uh, followers on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok, right? He said, whoever is approved by God is disapproved by the vulgar. You move your fist like that. I swear to God, people, they say things like, oh, man, if we could just get so-and-so in the masjid, you know, then they would like, you know, it would pack the house and it would be amazing. And I'd be like, well, you know who will get more people than so-and-so, like whatever movie star or basketball player that you want to get in the masjid? Just get a stripper, I promise you, the entire masjid, there'll be like even no place to stand in the parking lot. <laughs> as horrible as it is, it's a vulgar thing to say. He's literally saying this, right? He says what? Whoever is approved by God is disapproved by the vulgar. And whoever is elected by himself is not amongst the elect of God. There's so much, like, so much self-help weirdness like floating around. Look. Not having any self-esteem and hating yourself is a problem as well. It's an extreme. But it should be treated like that and it should be diagnosed and not made the mainstream discourse of how we teach people deen. The idea is that a person who has like a proper composition should be able to have enough confidence to, be, to do things in life and not second-guess themselves to the point where they don't believe that 2 plus 2 is 4 just because they thought it. But on the flip side, you know, like you can't make that the default because no, no society is ever going to result in anything if that's the default. That's being put forward now more and more as a default state of all people by the people who are like the puppet masters pulling the strings because there's an interest in the elite that runs the society convincing everybody else, look, you guys are all crazy and you guys need us to help run things for you. I don't think it's that deep when it comes to like stuff that happens in the masajid or in the Muslim space. It's not that deep. We're just mimicking like somebody else. Like there's party A is trying to scam party B and we're like party C trying to mimic them because we have no creativity and no imagination of our own ummah as being something of itself that doesn't have to look anywhere other than Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for inspiration and for guidance. He says, and whoever's elected by himself is not amongst the elect of God. Thus, Iblis was approved by mankind and accepted by the angels and pleased with himself. But since God was not pleased with him, their, their approval only brought a curse upon him. Adam, on the other hand, السلام, was disapproved by the angels who said, Will you place on the earth the one who will do evil therein? And was not pleased with himself, for he said, O Lord, we have done wrong uh, to ourselves. But since God was pleased with him, the disapproval of the angels and his own displeasure also bore the fruit of mercy. Let all men therefore know that those accepted by us are rejected by the people, and those accepted by the people are rejected by us. Hence, blame of mankind is the food of the friends of God, because, because it is the token of divine approval. It is the delight of the saints of God, because it is a sign of nearness to Him. They rejoice in it, even as other men rejoice in popularity. There is a tradition that says that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, received uh, this knowledge from the angel Jibreel that God said, my friends uh, are under my cloak. Save me, none knows them except for my friends. And he discourses on the nature of blame. He says, now blame, malamat, is of three kinds. It may result from the following. First, the right way. Uh, second, uh, from an intentional act. Uh, and third, uh, from the abandonment of the sacred law. 
The first, uh, in the first case, a man is blamed who minds his own business and performs his religious duty and does not omit the practice of devotion. He is entirely indifferent to the behavior of people toward him. In the second case, a man is greatly honored by the people and pointed out amongst them. His heart inclines to the honor in which he is held and he becomes attached to those by whom it is bestowed. He wishes to make himself independent of them and devote himself wholly to God. Therefore, he purposely incurs their blame by committing some act which is offensive to them, but is no violation of the sacred law. In consequence uh, of his behavior, they wash their hands of him. So the first case is what? A person is doing what's right and people hate on him for that. The second case is what a person is doing what's right, but people love him, and he doesn't want he doesn't he doesn't want he f- likes the love of people, but he doesn't want that to be his driver. So he'll do something that's not necessarily haram, but that will annoy people, so that they just go away and let him uh, uh, not have to be tested with people's uh, with people's uh, adulation. In the third case, a man is driven by his natural infidelity and erroneous beliefs to b- abandon the sacred law and abjure its observances, and say to himself. I am treading the path of blame. Uh, in this case, his behavior depends on himself alone. So the third one is someone who just like does like wrong things and says, oh, look, what a big Sufi I am. He who follows the right way and refuses to act hypocritically and refrains from ostentation pays no heed to the blame of the vulgar, but invariably takes his own cur- course. It is all one to him, uh, uh, whatever name they call him by. I find amongst the anecdotes of the holy men of God that one day the Sheikh Abu Tahir Harami was seen in the bazaar riding a donkey uh, and attended by one of his disciples. Someone cried out, oh, here comes this old free thinker. That used to be like not a compliment back in the day. (laughs) It's a little context, right? So here comes that old free thinker. Um, The indignant disciple rushed at the speaker trying to strike him and the whole bazaar was filled with tumult. The Sheikh said to his disciple, if you will be quiet, I will show you something that will save you from trouble of this sort. When they returned home, he bade the disciple to bring him a certain box which contained letters. Like, you know, like you write to somebody letters, not like ABC letters. Which contained letters and told him uh, to look at them. Observe, he said, how the writers address me. One calls me Sheikh al-Islam, the other calls me the pure Sheikh, another says the Sheikh Zahid ascetic sheikh and others says the sheikh of the two sanctuaries and so on so on and so forth there are all titles there's no mention of my name i am none of these things but every person gives me the title which accords their belief concerning me if that poor fellow did the same now why would you quarrel with him he who incurs blame purposely and resigns honor and withdraws from authority is like the khalifa uthman uh, anhu who, although he possessed 400 slaves, one day came forth from his plantation of date palms carrying a bundle of firewood on his head. On being asked why he did this, he answered, I wish to make trial of myself. He would not let the dignity which he enjoyed hinder him from any work. A similar tale is related of Imam Abu Hanifa, which will be found in this treatise. Again, we can't read the entire book in one night or or even in one majlis, but uh, one like set of majlis, but... um, one of the interesting things about this book is when he has like extensive uh, covering of the tabaqat of the Sufiya, he mentions that the 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 imams, the mujtahid imams of fiqh are also sheikhs of the sheikhs of, of tasawwuf as well, imams of tasawwuf. It's just that their names don't show up in the shajara because of ulul, um, so as to cut the the silsila down shorter. Mm-hmm. 
And the story is told about Bayezid Bustami. Uh, Bayezid Bustami will talk about his tariq next after the tariq of Malama Hamdun Qassar. He said, and the story is talked about Bayezid that when he was entering Ray uh, on his way from Hijaz. So he's coming from the uh, Haramain Sharifain and he's going to Ray. Ray is like basically, it was like a, a part, it's a part of what's now Tehran. But before the Mongols destroyed it, Ray was the big city, right? So if someone is Razi, it's from that, from that place. Obviously, they, the, the Rawafid took it over at a later time. Otherwise, it was a, a great, uh, a great uh, metropolis of the Ahl Sunnah. A story is told that when he was entering Ray on his way from Hijaz, the people of that city ran to him in order that they may show him honor. Their attentions distracted him and turned his thoughts away from God. When he came to the bazaar, he took out a loaf of bread from his uh, things and began to eat. They all left him because it was the month of Ramadan. He said to a disciple who was traveling with him, You see, as soon as I perform a single article of the sacred law, they all reject me. In those days, it was necessary for incurring blame to do something disapproved or extraordinary. But in our time, if anyone desires blame... He need only lengthen a little bit his voluntary prayers or fulfill some religious practices which are prescribed. All at once, everyone will call him a hypocrite and an imposter. <laughs> like, it makes it easy for us, alhamdulillah, mashallah. If that was for him, imagine, like, mashallah, Illinois. He, he who abandons the law and commits an irreligious act and says he is following the rule of blame is guilty of manifest wrong and wickedness and self-indulgence. There are many in the present age who seek popularity by this means, forgetting that one must already have gained popularity before deliberately acting in such a way as to make the people reject him. Otherwise, his making himself unpopular is a mere pretext for winning popularity. This is an important point. There are some people who do this. They make a big show out of like, you know, the, how they get crucified. The only how they get crucified for their opinions or whatever. The only thing is that they do things in like the most gross and you know, vulgar way possible. They don't don't speak any truth that nobody else is speaking. They don't do anything that's, uh, you know, benefiting anybody, say anything that's benefiting anybody. They just make a freak show out of it. And then people say, oh, look, this person, but they have a good point. Making a freak show of yourself for no reason, it's not, you know, or doing it in a way that causes more harm than, than good is not what the point of this is. He says what? That a person is making himself unpopular as a mere pretext for winning popularity. On a certain occasion, I was in the company of one of these vain pretenders. He committed a wicked act and excused himself by saying that he did it for the sake of blame. Uh, one of the party said, that is nonsense. He heaved a sigh. I said to him, if you claim to be a malamati and are firm in your belief, then this gentleman's disapproval of what you did uh, uh, ought to encourage you to persevere since he has seconded you in your chosen course. Why are you so unfriendly and angry with him? Your behavior is more like pretense than pursuit of blame. Whoever claims to be guided by the truth must give some proof of his assertion, and the proof consists in observing the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. You make this claim, and yet I see that you have failed to perform your obligatory religious duty. Your conduct puts you outside of the pale of Islam. So you see, mashallah, uh, you know, the shaykh was like a, a, a real, his bakamulana sahab, mashallah. He says, the doctrine of blame was spread abroad uh, in this uh, group, uh, in this age, by the Sheikh Hamdun Qassar. He has many fine sayings on the subject. It is recorded that he said that malamat is tarka salamat. Blame is abandonment of one's own welfare. If anyone 
purposely abandons his own welfare and girds himself to endure misfortune and renounces his pleasure and familiar ties in hopes that the glory of God will be revealed to him, the more he is separated from mankind, the more he is united with God. According to the votaries of blame, uh, 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 turn uh, their backs on that thing, namely uh, welfare, uh, to which the people of this world turn their faces. Uh, for the aspirations of the former are uh, wahdani, they're only one. The aspiration is only one of such people. Ahmed bin Fatik relates that Hussein bin Mansur al-Hallaj said in reply to the question, who is a Sufi? He said, he who is single in their, his essence. Hamdun also said concerning blame. It is a hard way for the vulgar to follow, but I will tell one part thereof. The malamati, the person of blame, is characterized by the hopes of the murji'ah and the fear of the qadaris. This saying has a hidden meaning uh, which demands explanation. The murji'ah are those people who, they said, oh, well, you know, we can do whatever we want, good or bad. Our faith will save us anyway. Uh, and the qadaris are the people who, both of them are like a heterodox group, right? We say that a person's sins is not going to make them go to hell forever, but we, we caution people that it's not that it doesn't harm you at all. Whereas the, uh, the, 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 the qadaris are the people who say, no, I control my own destiny, I create my own acts, they deny predestination. This saying has hidden meaning which demands explanation. It is the true nature of man to be deterred by popularity more than any other thing from seeking access to God. Meaning like losing popularity is something that makes people afraid of seeking access to God. Maybe some of us ourselves suffer from this. Consequently, he who fears this danger is always striving to avoid it. There are two perils which confront him. First, the fear that he may be veiled from God by favor of his fellow creatures. And secondly... Uh, the fear of committing some act for which the people will blame him and thereby fall into sin, which is a legitimate concern. Accordingly, the malamati from this first, in the first instance, take care to have no quarrel with people for what they say of him, neither in this world or the next, for the sake of his own salvation. He must commit some act which legally is neither a kabira nor a sahira, a great sin nor a trivial offense, in order that the people may reject him. Hence his fear in matters of conduct uh, is like the fear of the qadaris, meaning that he, he doesn't fear like that, uh, fear that other people will have an effect on him, that he, he, makes his own he makes his own destiny for himself. And his hope in dealing with uh, those who blame him is like the hope of the murji'ah. Uh, in true love, there is nothing sweeter than blame because blame of the beloved makes no impression on the lover's heart. He heeds not what strangers say. Uh, for his heart is ever faithful to the object of his love. Tis sweet to be reviled for passion's sake. This group, meaning the Sufis, are distinguished above all creatures in the universe by choosing to be blamed in the body, the physical body, on account of the welfare of their souls. What did he say? He said this group is distingu are distinguished above all creatures in the universe by choosing to be blamed in the body on account of the welfare of their souls. And this high degree is not attained even by the Malaika uh, al-Muqarrabin, by the noble angels of proximity of the Lord, nor by any other spiritual beings. Nor has it been reached by the ascetics, devotees, uh, or seekers of God belonging to the nations of antiquity. But it is reserved for those of this nation who journey on the path uh, of entire severance from the things of this world. In my opinion, to seek blame is mere ostentation. Now he's telling his, he first he talked about Hamdul Qasar's kind of archetype of how he used the concept of blame to drive a person's saluk toward Allah Ta'ala. Now he gives his opinion about it. He says, in my opinion, to seek blame is mere ostentation. And ostentation is mere hypocrisy. 
The ostentatious man purposely acts in such a way as to win the popularity of people, while the person of malamat purposely acts in a way such that the people reject him. Both have their thoughts fixed on mankind and do not pass beyond the sphere. The true dervish, on the contrary, never even thinks of mankind, and when his heart has been broken away from them, he is indifferent to their reprobation as to their favor. He moves uh, unfettered and free. I once said to a, pers- uh, a malamati of Transoxiana, with whom I had associated long enough to feel ease, O oh brother, what is your object in these perverse actions? He replied, to make people non-existence in regards to myself. The people, I said, are many, and during a lifetime you will not be able to make all of them non-existence in regard- non-existent in regards to yourself. Rather, make yourself non-existent in regards to the people so that you may be saved from all of this trouble. Some who are occupied with the people imagine that the people are occupied with them. If you wish no one to see you, do not see yourself. Since all of your evils arise from seeing yourself, what business have you with others? If a sick man whose remedy lies in abstinence seeks to indulge his appetite, he's a fool. Others, again, practice this method of blame from an ascetic motive. They wish to be despised by the people in order so that they may mortify themselves, mujahada, in order to quash the nafs. And it is their greatest delight to find themselves wretched and abased. So he mentions a, 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 an anecdote of Ibrahim bin Adham, who was asked, the Sultan al-Awliya, mashallah, one of the great mashayikh, his name appears in uh, uh, the Silsila Tariqa Chishtiya amongst a number of other Salasim. He was one of the great mashayikh of the ancient times. Ibrahim bin Adham was asked, have you ever attained your desire? He answered, yes, twice. On one occasion, I was on a ship where nobody knew who I was. I was clad in common clothes and my hair was long and my guise was such that all of the people mocked and laughed at me. He said that he didn't look dignified to them. Amongst them was a buffoon who was always coming and pulling my hair and tearing it out and treating me with uh, 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 contumely. I I, got to look this up like insult. Uh, 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 um, After the manner of people of his kind. At the time I felt entirely satisfied and I rejoiced with my garb. My joy reached its highest pitch one day when the buffoon rose from his place and superme uh, 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 minks it. He didn't translate it from Latin. He, he translated into Latin. He didn't write it in English. The, apparently, the guy just urinated on, on him. Just to, like, just, just, like to just be a jerk to him. So, he said that this, this, this man like completely like disrespected me so much that, alhamdulillah, my nafs was like put in check. Right, so that was one time. The second occasion, I arrived at a village uh, in heavy rain, which had soaked my patched frock on my body, and I was overcome by wintry cold, just like kind of it is right now outside. I went to a masjid and was refused admittance. This has happened to me in the winter too, by the way, by the, mashallah, when I was studying and traveling, slept outside. The same thing happened at uh, the other mosques where I sought shelter. In despair, as the cold strengthened its grip on my heart, I entered a bathhouse, a bathhouse and drew up my lower garment to the stove. The smoke enveloped me and blackened my clothes and my face. Then I also felt entirely satisfied. He says, look, finally the nafs is in check. Once I, Ali bin Uthman al-Jullabi, remember I told you he, he does that so people don't like Jack his book. He says, once I, Ali bin Uthman al-Jullabi, found myself in a difficulty. After many devotional exercises undertaken in the hope of clearing it away, I repaired, uh, as I had done with success on a former occasion to the Mazar of Abu Yazid, uh, by Yazid Bustami, and stayed there for a space of three months. So basically he has an issue in his suluk, right? He didn't mention what it is. 
but like people have issues with their someone f- f- falls in love with a woman, somebody like wants to eat something haram, somebody wants like hates somebody, whatever it is, God knows what it might be. But like I said, this is one of the things I really like admire about the author of this book. He's very, he doesn't try to be like sheikher than thou with people. He's like very real about like how difficult, because that's what happens when you really try to make saluk toward Allah Ta'ala rather than fake like, you know, like TV prim proper sheikh and then like, you know, that you have this idea that maybe you like rub him and like so you get good luck from rubbing him like a leprechaun or something, right? So he says, I had a problem. He doesn't even mention what it is, which means probably embarrassing, right? So I had a problem. Uh, and I had no way of like, it just wasn't getting better. So I, I thought I'll go visit the Mazar of Bayezid Bistami. And uh, for three months I was there uh, doing my uh, devotions and my, my uh, dhikr and ibadah of Allah Ta'ala and my, uh, my uh, uh, attempt to cleanse myself from whatever this problem is. Performing every day ghusl three times and wudu 30 times in the hope that my difficulty might be removed. It was not, however, uh, to be so, so I journeyed after that toward Khurasan. This is not a sunnah, by the way. This is, these are practices of people that have, uh, you know, tajriba, um, that they, they, they help them at some times. And this time he's saying it didn't, it didn't help. Uh, so the point is, his, he's not saying you do this. He's just saying that I was trying, it, basically trying anything I could to, 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 to get, get this thing done. So he says that uh, it, wasn't, it, it didn't work, so for three months, so I departed toward Khurasan. One night, uh, I arrived at a village in that country where there was a convent, a khanqah, uh, in, inhabited by a number of aspirants to tasawwuf. I was wearing a dark blue frock, uh, uh, which was prescribed by the sunnah, meaning it was masnoon garb, uh, but uh, uh, um, had with me nothing that, of the Sufi's regular equipment. So I wasn't looking Sufi enough for them, uh, except for a staff and a uh, leathern water bottle. I appeared very contemptible in the eyes of these Sufis uh, who did not know me. They regarded me uh, uh, by my external habit and said to one another, this fellow is not one of us. And so in truth it was, I was not one of them, uh, but I had to pass the night in that place. They lodged me on a place in the roof while they themselves went to another roof higher than that and set before me dry bread which had turned green. Uh, while I was drawing in uh, to my nostrils the savor uh, of the food which they had regaled themselves with, all the time they were addressing me with derisive remarks from the roof. When they finished their food and began to pelt me with the skins of the melons which they had eaten by way of showing how pleased they were with themselves and how lightly they thought of me, I said in my heart, O Lord God, was it not that they are wearing the dress of your friends? I would have never borne this from them. So he wasn't like, oh, I forgive them. and all. No, he was like, <laughs> he was like, if they, you know, if they, if this wasn't, you know, some sort of like place where like somebody's at least trying to act like they're here for their own islah. Like I would have completely like not like lost it with them. Uh, and the more they scoffed at me, the more glad my heart became so that the endurance of this burden was the means for delivering me from that difficulty, which I had mentioned before. And forthwith, I perceived uh, why the sheikhs have always given fools leave to associate with them. And for what reason they submit to their annoyance? Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.